0: Hey guys, my name is Calvin and you're listening to Pastor Chats. Let's go. sitting here with my good friend, Nate King. And uh, it's good to be with you today, Nate. Um, you and your wife, Jamie, pastor our Clarksville campus. Um, campus. Lord have mercy, I can't talk. But uh, why don't you give us a little insight to you and, and your life and, uh, and let's get to know you a little bit.
1: Yeah. So Jamie and I, we, we have the awesome privilege of pastoring the Clarksville campus here with New Life Church. We love it. Been doing it now for a couple of years. And um as far as as who I am, I uh, I like to teasingly or jokingly tell people I'm an educated hillbilly, which is come on with a, some of that. Absolutely, the truth. Uh, the details of that shall remain nameless because they would be embarrassing to some people. <laughs> you know, there's usually jokes about banjos and missing teeth and bare feet and outhouses and all that kind of stuff is probably true on some level.
0: Well, that sounds but, like Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Maybe I you couldn't knows. help it. I don't know. I couldn't help it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but man, um. Uh, yeah, we so so we we launched New Life in Clarksville in 2017. I did mobile church for a year, and it's been fun. It's been a lot of a lot of good times, a lot of challenging times. Yeah, mobile church. It's so good though. We love it. Yeah. And uh, we have four little kids. They're uh, Ethan, our oldest, is seven, and our daughter Anna is our youngest. She's seven months. We have
0: four. The other two are Jonathan and Matthew. Life is good, man. It's yeah, just good. Yeah. It's just a lack of sleep. If you have four under seven. Sleep is a hot commodity. Yeah, that's a luxury for sure. Yeah, let's be honest. I mean, you know, I always tell families when they get pregnant that, you know, when they're getting up and down all the time to go to the, when the girls are getting up and down to go to the bathroom all the time before the baby gets here, that's just God prepping you to never sleep again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, or, you know, even if you do sleep. Uh, nine times out of ten you wake up with like a toe in your nostril or a child like sleeping awkwardly on the top of your head, you know, or uh, I was a wrestling guy when I was a kid. So, you know, I get like the frog splash or somebody stomps on my throat or you
0: know, <laughs> Daddy! It's a DDT. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah uh, You know, there's a lot of nights when they're little like that that you end up forming an H you and your wife are the, the vertical, <laughs> yeah. and your child is horizontal, laid completely across you, mm-hmm. and you're on the very edge of the bed, just hoping you don't fall off.
1: Yeah. Two weeks ago, we had a storm come through, and no kidding. Jamie had the presence of mind somehow to take a picture of this, but every child was in our bed except for Ethan, the oldest.
0: <laughs> and we both, uh, it was just, it's hilarious. That's that, awesome. Yeah. That's genius. Yeah. Kids, you got to love them. Uh, you have to. Uh, God, I think it's a requirement. I yeah. think it is. I think yeah. he wants us to love our kids. Uh, but <laughs> um, so uh, tell us a little bit about what you do. You're not only a campus pastor, mm-hmm. you're also a professor.
1: Yeah, I'm adjunct professor of uh, communications at Arkansas Tech University, okay. which is both mine and my wife's alma mater. Okay, We love it, love the university, and we feel as called to be there in the classroom as we do you know, as a, as a pastor.
0: Absolutely. A church, so I love that. I, and and really that's what I want to hit on today. something I want to key off of what you just said of how you feel called uh, to be a professor as much as you do a pastor. Yeah. And I, I think uh, that unfortunately in our society and even in the church, there's this uh, misunderstanding of a quote unquote uh, laity clergy divide mm-hmm. where, um, we show up, we give the money, we, uh, sit and put up with your bad jokes every week and you go do all the ministry. Yeah. And then our life is compartmentalized to Sunday and then every other day of the week. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and so, but I, I know as us as pastors, we're continually trying to encourage our people that we've all been given the the ministry of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. That uh, we've all been called to ministry. If if you're a disciple of Christ, He said, "Go and make disciples." Yeah, and, and so. Uh, so what I want to talk to you today uh, about is how we can maybe encourage. So maybe there's some pastors listening who um, could sort of use some input from you to be able to help encourage their people to be ministers always mm-hmm. and minister uh, in whatever sphere of life that they're in uh, with whatever influence they have to reach whomever they can with the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then there's, there's probably people listening too who are not pastors. And so they need that encouragement to know that um, God doesn't only partner with people who have pastor next to their name. For and that, sure. That he co-labors with all of us to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, it, that it's, it's up to all of us and we could get into a theological discussion about Ephesians chapter four, obviously, and the fivefold ministries being being given to uh, equip the saints for the work of the ministry, not yeah. to do all the ministry. Right. I think that's important. Uh, and, but uh, but I really want uh, today. I want us to talk about how we can encourage people to fulfill their God given mission and fulfill their calling right where they are. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know,
1: uh, oh man, I, I love this topic. There's just so much I could, I could start just blah on you today. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I, for me, this is something that's really important to me. And I think, I think what I've seen, um, and maybe I'm so close to this cause as I've lived it too, mm-hmm. like, I man, when I got to college, I grew up in the church, all this kind of stuff. Right. And I hit the reset button on my faith really early on. And I only kept two things. I kept the fact that I believe Jesus was the way to God, and I believe that the Bible is his word for us, his instruction to us, and I love both. That's all I kept at that time, and sort of rebuilt my life and my faith from that point when I was uh, 17 years old. And uh, I did that alongside my best friend. We lived together in the dorm. And when we started off, it was him and I having discussions at night before we'd go to bed about a verse or two. and along the way, because our door was always open there in the wing of our hall, guys would start coming, showing mm-hmm. up, and started with the two of us, and then there were six of us, and then there were 16, and pretty soon there was like 35 guys in there every week. Wow. And, yeah. Isn't and that lot, awesome? It was amazing. There was, That's amazing. Yeah, and there, there was a lot of uh, really bad music, because we'd play guitar <laughs> and pass the guitar around, and you know people would play whatever they knew how to play, which was... Interesting, um, <laughs> and then we would probably share a lot of really heretical ideas that are in, there in those chats. Too, what does but, that
0: mean to you? Exactly,
1: <laughs> but but along the way, what we did is we we discovered who we believed God wanted us to be. What was the truth of His Word? What did He mm-hmm. mean to us? Mm-hmm. And what does that mean for us in our life? You know, like as university students back then. But the reason why I even mentioned that. Is I think those conversations, um, you know, years of those conversations, mm-hmm. allowed me or empowered me and even encouraged me to not not become what I like to call a skinfrit skin. I can't say that word. Did I that, that How do you say schizophrenic. This word? schizophrenic? Schizophrenic. Thank you. Where's Kevin? Where's <laughs> Kevin? Where's <laughs> Kevin? Yeah, uh, not we not to be a a believer that compartmentalism compartmentalizes their life to the point where yeah. they're like weird. And, and and here's what I've noticed about this. This is why this, this is why this is an important topic to me because for years I heard pastors, youth pastors, and, and I've probably said it to college students back when I did college ministry stuff in the day, like put God first in your life, put God first in your life, put God. And it's so true. Like we want God to be first in our life, but right. if we're not careful, the angle we take with that and the way we push people toward that, the way we communicate it, is we want God to be first in your life, the top of this like pyramid scheme, and then everything else falls into <laughs> falls yeah. into line. And that's yeah. not, you know, it's not, it's not a roster, it's not a starting lineup for how you're going to, you know, win your life. It's right. Um, God doesn't want to just be first in your life; He wants to be the first part of every part of your life, mm-hmm. and. Um, that means if you if we get that right first, I think that's so important. We have to get that right first, absolutely, because then we can't show up and oh, I'm going to do my church thing the first day of the week. Yeah. Now I can go do the rest the the stuff in my life. Yep. You know that's yeah. why people don't take him into their everyday world, I think, and don't don't live uh, to the fullness of what God wants them to live mm-hmm. in their everyday world because mm-hmm. they they live as these sort of compartmentalized people. So much. And,
0: so much. I, I think. Um, it's a, we do that with uh, everything. I think we, I think we try to compartmentalize it because number one, we're probably stretched too thin. Yeah. We're probably over committed yeah. uh, to things and under committed to God and our relationship with him. You know, I, I, I've likened it to um, uh, treating ourselves as the sun and, Uh, all the things in our life as the planets that revolve around us, Mm -hmm. including God and our faith, right? Absolutely. When really uh, he, no pun intended, Lord have mercy, you know, the sun, (laughs) right? Uh, Jesus is meant to be the very center of everything that we are. And from him, everything should flow. He shouldn't be a compartment. Of our life, he should be the central fuel that really ties everything into our life, and that we don't compartmentalize it. So, so what are some things that you would give someone who's maybe doesn't have a pastor or ministry title next to their name, but they know that that they can take hold of God's promise? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, to give them that ministry of reconciliation in their workplace, uh, what are some things that you would say to them to sort of encourage them and really help them to be intentional mm-hmm. in that? Because you have to be intentional Absolutely. in order to do any ministry. You have to be intentional. It doesn't just fall in your lap.
1: Yeah, and and I, I so my go-to on this is, is Ephesians 5. I love Ephesians 5. And uh, just the, the first two verses, uh, in the message translation, it says, watch what God does. And then you do it like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. So just, just see what God, God is doing and go do it. But yeah. then it like qualifies that with the very next statement. Mostly mm-hmm. what God does is love you. Wow. So, okay. So that's what we do. We just love. And, and, um, uh, and the next part, keep company with him and learn a life of love. So if you think about that, what, what we just finished talking about, like not compartmentalizing your life, like keep company with God. God is in everything you do. Right. Like bring him along. He's part of it. He's the center. Uh, so how does that inform what you actually do and how you actually live your life? And it's not just all of these little segmented things. Yes. But man, I'm in the grocery store checkout line. There's this lady crying. Okay, God's with me. How can I help her? Can I help her? Right. Uh, I'm at work. And this coworker is bummed out. How can I do something to help that situation? Yeah, I love to that. To me, that's what this means. And, and then the next part of that says, observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. Like he wow. didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. And the very last part of that is the challenge. It says love like that. Wow. Love like that. And so for me... Um, and it kind of, it's kind of like my family's mission. Like, what do we want to do? Because we do a lot of stuff and we can be real busy and we can wear that like a badge, like so many people do in this day and age. Yes. Or we can be as an intentional as possible mm-hmm. to love the people in our everyday world mm-hmm. the best way that we know how. Yes. And the best way that we know how to do it is to try to be as close to Jesus as we can be. Right and- on. Right on and love people like that, to, to show that his love to him. So, so just some practical, like how to, what we try to do yes, kind let's of get things. into that. I think you have to be real honest with yourself. hundred uh, percent. There's, I've met a lot of people who are like, I want to change the world, you know, I want to reach my coworkers and my family and all this stuff. But they're not honest with themselves about whether that's actually happening. <laughs> uh, like, okay, yeah, you want to reach, but have you had a spiritual conversation? You know, when they were having a really terrible day, did, Were you a phone call they could make? Or did you call them? Yeah. Um, You know, are you on the list of people they're gonna have, they're gonna talk to about that? Yeah. Whatever, but we can't lie to ourselves. Like we have to know who we are um, and we have to know whether we have an opportunity to actually make a difference in somebody's life. Like if you wanna make a difference in somebody's world but all you're doing is hanging out at home, binging Netflix all the time, (laughs) the opportunities are slim.
0: Yeah, it's difficult to um, minister to people with whom you never speak. For a fact. Yeah. Yeah. And and, uh, um, I think that uh, sometimes we um, suffer from unrealistic expectations when it comes to ministering to people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, ministry to someone could just be you look down and, and give them a hug. Yeah, It could be a smile at somebody that walks by you. It, it could be that woman that's crying in the grocery store that you mentioned a while ago and sure. just walking up to her and just saying, hey, it's going to be okay. Yeah, and I think um,
1: especially those of us who are in what we would think of as ministry, like a vocation a ministry, ministry yeah. uh, it, it's really easy for us, and I want to say this with care, but it's really easy for us to feel like I think almost subconsciously we have to like justify our job sometimes. Mm. So we over spiritualize the idea of ministry. Wow. And and ministry really uh, for the person who is doing life with God, like what we just saw in Ephesians and ministry is just living your life and seizing on those incredible opportunities that are going to come your way. Yeah, absolutely. But if you're not honest with yourself about who you are and where you are in your your relationship with God, how are you going to be able to identify those opportunities? How are you going to be able to step into those moments to, to make that kind of everyday difference that I think
0: God would have us make? You know, I think, um, I know for me that Really, this boils down to, and I think, honestly, everything in our relationship with the Lord really boils down to, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Yeah, for sure. Do you you love me? Do you obey me? Yeah. And I know a lot of times for me, I'll feel moved by the Spirit of God to do something, but I'll catch myself second-guessing, and then you end up in what I would call a fear spiral of talking yourself out of that. So what... What do you what do you think? How should people approach fear in that? Because let's be honest, we don't live in a society that's necessarily gospel friendly, uh, For sure. and they may be met with uh, someone who's not so excited that they tried to tell them about Jesus. So, what what would you speak to fear in that?
1: Well, I think in terms of talking about these everyday moments and opportunities. Um, First of all, you can't let fear boss you around. That's good. and Because um, it sure does try to. Uh, absolutely, yeah. And uh, I saw a, a great cartoon earlier today. This guy had two switches. He said you would pick one switch every day. One of them is fear and one of them is love, but you can't choose them both. Wow. And um, I, well, a few years ago, had a, a chance to go on this trip with these incredible college students we went to Venezuela. We were there for 10 days working wow. at an orphanage that was on a farm, it was just a really neat thing. That's amazing. And at the end of the trip, we we went up this big gondola. It was like a 15 minute ride up the side of this mountain. And I'm in, in this thing, you know, there's like four of us in there and my friends, Jake and Ellen and, and one of our college students, Rashad. And Rashad is this big boy, he's just a really big guy. We're in this little bitty gondola. He was kind of intimidated by it. And We get about halfway up the mountain, halfway up the mountain we hit this white wall of fog it's just like a whiteout you can't see nothing wow and then the whole thing stopped and we were just hanging off the side of this mountain inside this gondola <laughs> yeah and and Rashad who had been pretty intimidated had been pretty scared of it the whole time all of a sudden he starts singing and the, I mean, this big boy, and we're in this little bitty glass box, a bit like a, kind of like an aquarium dangling off a string on the <laughs> side of a mountain. And Rashad just starts singing Amazing Grace. He's like, amazing. I mean, he's booming it, like, like spiritual hymnal style or something. Uh, he went Barry White and on it He you. went big time. That's funny. And, um, but, but what was so cool is he, he, he saw through his fear in the moment and he could have been afraid, he was afraid, but he mm-hmm. saw through his fear, he didn't let fear boss him around. And he responded out of grace. Mm. And so often what I've noticed that we as Christians are, are quick to do is we encounter moments that present an opportunity for fear and that's how we respond instead of responding out of grace. Mm. And if we're going to take God with us, if Christ is with us in our everyday world, in our yeah. life, and we're keeping company with him, if we're yeah. loving and living like that, then we have to choose grace over fear. And, and and at the end of the day, if we if we do that, man, the the picture of what we see on the other side is beautiful. Like when we got to the top of that mountain, oh yeah, it was man. incredible. Like
0: you see for miles, it was it was So cool. I mean, like an airplane flew by below us. It was. It was (laughs) that happened to me when I was in Israel, and it was the neatest thing. It's unbelievable. It's crazy. Yes, so So I can identify with that. So the the end.
1: The end result, though, what I believe was when it comes to those opportunities, you know, those are those are spaces, those are moments, and I don't think that fear and love can be roommates. Mm. Uh, They each they each have their own space and you got to, you got to pick one. Right. And so you're either going to fear or you're going to love, or you're going to show the grace. And I think God wants us to lean towards grace when it comes to, to helping people and loving people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the thing in fear is that people think that, that we do things um, and uh, they see people do awesome things and they think, well, man, they, they weren't afraid and they did this. But that's not true at all. And I've been embracing this do it afraid thing, you know, uh, because honestly, I've never done anything important that was great in my life that I didn't do with fear in me. But I I used that fear as fuel, Mm -hmm. knowing that that resistance to it was really confirmation that I needed to be doing what I was doing.
1: Yeah, I think... I completely, completely agree. Like your fear is the catalyst to do a good thing. A lot of the time, mm-hmm. I think what I, what I'm hitting at or hitting around about is like you can't let fear push you towards those knee jerk, unkind you know, oh, uncharacteristic absolutely. of God responses. Yes. Fear is, is always going to be there in some measure. To, if you're, I mean, the, what God asks every one of us to do is to live a life bigger than ourselves. Yes. Or else why would we need him? Right. So fear is, is the opportunity for fear is always there. Right. But in terms of relationships and reaching out to other people. Yeah. We need to, to lean toward the opportunity, uh, for love and for grace, and not the opportunity for unkindness and rejection,
0: right? That kind of because it's it's okay to be afraid to do what you're about to do, yeah. But you understand that the love of God for you and for them is greater than your fear. Yeah, if you're not afraid of what you're about to do, you might need to question the size of what you're about to do. It's totally. I, I was having a conversation with a guy last night, and um, we were just we were just kind of having a moment where the Lord was really just sort of. We could tell through the conversation that the Lord was encouraging him that he was capable of more than he thought. Yeah. And um, he said, Man, that's scary. Yeah. And I said, Good. Because the call of God in our life should scare us because that reminds us that we cannot do it. We cannot accomplish it without God. Yeah. It's un- un- unattainable apart from Him. And uh, I-, I love that you talk about. Uh, presence, um, because this is another enneagram thing, right? We, yeah. you know, to to teach us to be present in moments, mm-hmm. um, and I love that the scripture uh, says that the, the, that God is our ever-present mm-hmm. help in time of trouble. Yeah. So when you you talk about presence, talk to me about that. Talk about. Yeah, you know, I, I think you said something about being available.
1: Yeah, I. It's. I think it's really part of the one of those big catalysts that's that's put me to where I am in terms mm-hmm. of ministry. You know, in a vocational sense anymore, uh, is that I've always tried to make myself available, which has gotten. You know, we get creative with it now with four kids and all that kind of thing, but for me, it just means. Um, when i'm there to be there like to be to be with the people that are that i'm in the room with if i'm with my kids and by the way let me just say this i get this wrong as much as i get it right maybe more sometimes mm-hmm. but i'm working on it i'm trying yeah. and i'm not making excuses i'm just trying to make sure. it better sure sure absolutely um, but we have this crisis in our culture right now of people who are not present in the room i was with, with a group of, of students the other day and there were five students uh, in this room I was in, and they were all looking at their cell phone. And I just kindly said, hey, look around, guys. You see what you're doing? And they were, oh, well, yeah, we're all on our phone. And we just started to talk about it. And, man, there's a, you know, I could nerd out on this because <laughs> this is interesting <laughs> to me. But, um there's this whole economy called attention engineering mm-hmm. where these devices are created in a way to get you to spend as much time as possible on them because yep. you, the people who make them make more money in apps and just by advertising and all that kind of stuff, whether it's social media or whatever. So, um, and this is kind of a whole different thing, but you get this like dopamine addiction to mm-hmm. getting the hit off the notification and, and all that, Yep. but but that is just one facet of this. Mm-hmm. I know guys who are in their 60s who don't have smartphones. They're distracted by other things. Everybody, everybody has their thing that can be distracted by. Uh, for some people, it's football or it's fishing or it's, you know, whatever. Um, for me, it's it can be hobbies, it can be work, it can be the thing yeah. I'm thinking about with church. There's yeah. an untold number of things it could be. Yep. But presence, it means cutting through all of that and giving our undivided attention to the people who deserve it the most. Because if we will really begin to do that in earnest, that's when you start to see some of those opportunities. That mm-hmm. you, you can't notice the guy across the room who, who needs somebody to show God's love to him if you're too busy checking your Instagram profile to see if anybody liked that picture you posted of your kid eating an ice cream cone or wow. whatever, so uh, one of the coolest moments, one of the biggest aha moments for me happened with this uh, a couple of years ago. I was uh, I was walking into the, uh, uh, I was adjuncting at another university at the time too, and I walked into the building and, and walked upstairs the stairs just like I did every um, Monday afternoon. And this big guy was standing at the top of the stairs. This big muscle bound kid was on the wrestling team. <laughs> And he said, "Hey," and I always I just ask my students to call me Nate. He said, "Mr. Nate, can I talk to you?" And of course, man. So we go to the, the side of this room, and yeah, and um, he tells me what's going on with his life and how his grandpa is dying. Wow. And um, and he just wanted to talk to somebody, and you know, and I was there as his teacher, not his pastor. But, right. But really, for me, there's not much of a distinction. It's just me.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Just who absolutely. I want to be.
1: And I says it would be okay if I prayed with you, and I prayed with him, and and I, you know, pray for this giant like Hulk Hogan looking dude, and <laughs> <laughs> and when oh, we finish, yeah. <laughs> when I when I finish, he looks up and he's got big these big tears running down his cheeks, wow. and he says, Mister Nate, would it be okay if I hugged oh, you? <laughs> Yeah, man, it'd be okay if you hugged me. And he picks me up and broke every bone in my back. And now that's why I go to a chiropractor once a month. (laughs) Uh,
0: That's hilarious. I love that story, man. I I love that. And I love what you said. Um, There was no distinction of you being teacher Nate or pastor Nate. You're just Nate. Hopefully. And well, then it goes back to not compartmentalizing your life. I think it's so, so important in that moment. You you were just another human empowered by the Spirit of God, and that's why he could even come to you yeah. because you were present there yeah. to just be you and let, allow the Lord to work through you.
1: Yeah, and if I'm being really honest, which, you know, I didn't really try to be, uh, <laughs> the, it, those moments to me can be so special because in the church environment, I expect that. I expect, and I want that. Right. I, and I value it. I treasure it. I love it or we wouldn't Absolutely. do it. But, Absolutely. But I know that somebody on, on a Sunday is going to want prayer for something. I know somebody's going to text me in the middle of the week. They need prayer for something going on in their life. And I love that. It's important to us. It's tra- We treasure Absolutely. it. But that moment where a, a kid comes to me after class and says, hey, just found out my dad has cancer. Wow. Will you pray for me? Wow. And um, like those those moments are amazing. Uh, uh, something similar happened not long ago. My son and I were walking around our neighborhood and one of our neighbor's houses had caught on fire uh, oh a, a few weeks earlier. Wow. And he just happened to be out there and, and Ethan and I just stopped to chat with him and I just I just asked him, man, it'd be okay if I pray with you. And I love that because it's just who, just who we want to be, the kind of people we want to try to be and yep. then there my son is, my oldest son, and he gets to be a part of it and Yes, we're trying to, to teach him the
0: same thing, but... Yeah, man, that and, you know, what you just said, too, is so important that our kids see what we do way more than hear what we say. Yes, caught, not taught. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you were intentional about that in front of him. Yeah. You know, and, and, and with him being there with you, that you modeled for him what it meant to be fully submitted to Christ and present in a moment where the Lord can speak to you mm-hmm. to to extend grace to your
1: neighbor. Yeah. That's a that's a big thing for our family. I mean our last name is King. Yeah. And so, you know, jokingly my whole life we've made jokes about royalty and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but now that I'm a parent um, and we love stories and all this stuff. So we talk about Kings a lot in our house and mm-hmm. I ask my boys all the time, Hey, what's our name? You know, and they'll say King. And, and, and what we try to point them at is you look at every story that has a King in it. A King either hurts or a King helps. What kind of King do you want to mm-hmm. be? So we want to be a King that helps. And so we're just trying to model that yeah. in our lives and we want to help
0: people around us. Dude, that's so good. That's so good. I think it's just so important because it's, you know, that's another thing where we don't have margin enough to spend time with our children being intentional about modeling things like this.
1: Yeah. And of course, you know, it's not like it's always perfect. When, no. When the four-year-old is <laughs> he's pounding on the two-year-old because he stole his Lego.
0: All this oh, yeah. kind of this And you're trying to love on somebody. <laughs> And you know you got one child over there ripping another one's head off. Yeah. Or he punched me. Or yes. he punched me. Or yeah, yeah. That, I, that's yes. my everyday world too. But. Oh yeah, mine, mine as well. <laughs> but, but we're working on yeah, it. for Yeah, sure. I totally get that. Well, the last thing I want to talk to you about is um, is when you say uh, and when uh, you know you and I exchanged some notes here today, mm-hmm. and in your notes. Um, you talked about prioritizing love. Yeah. Um, this is something I think it's exceptionally important for us to clue in on. I want you to talk about, about this. Uh, I have some thoughts on it too, uh, but I, I'd love for you to, to explain uh, to, uh, to our listeners, to explain to me what you mean by prioritizing love in the context of uh, you know, making a difference in your own world. Yeah, I just I think, um,
1: you know, you and I were, were products of the 80s and 90s. Right. And um, the moral majority and all that stuff, which mm-hmm. they did lots of good things and, and that kind of thing. But we saw this like surging rise of cultural Christianity that, yes. that fought the culture wars and yes. just did all that stuff. And so many good people that, that were involved in that kind of thing. But um, a lot of the time, uh, that stuff didn't always prioritize love mm-hmm. and it prioritized agendas and, and and ideas and opinions, really. Absolutely. And Jesus, he was pretty clear. It's like, as you know, he said, As I've loved you, so you should love one another. It's <laughs> what he told his, wow, yeah. his disciples the last time he was hanging out with them. He told them, uh, You know, and when he's talking about the most important commandment ever, he says, Love the Lord your God with all this stuff, you know, and he's like, Love your neighbor as yourself it's not an option to prioritize love. It's like a conditional statement. Like if you love God, you love people. And and when he was talking to his followers about it, um, he said, you know, as I've loved you, love one another. They weren't thinking about the way we think about Jesus, where we think about this this uh, man who died on the cross for us, the son of God who died for us. They were thinking about, you know, the, the tax collector thought about a guy who forgi- forgave him of all his like, shady stuff he did. And yeah. Peter thought about his friend who called him out to do life and follow him when no one else had before. And yep. and, and all these guys that just went around the room. That's who they thought about. And then Jesus went and modeled for him. Just a few hours later, the most important way he could ever love him was literally to die for them. He gave himself for him. Right. And when I, I think what it means for you and I, like if we're gonna make a difference in our everyday world, if we're gonna prioritize love, mm-hmm. then we have to be able to set aside our like little pet things that we attach our lofty opinions to sometimes. Mm-hmm. And we have to choose the person over the opinion. Like, I, I love to say it this way, like God wants a son, not a sheriff. Yes. And um, you know, he wants a daughter, not a deputy. Right. and. He's not looking for somebody to enforce his rules. Come He's on, looking yeah. for somebody that'll welcome somebody back into the family. Yes, And it doesn't have to be a pastor with a pulpit and a microphone. It doesn't have to be a podcast. It can be a mom trying to wrangle four crazy little kids in the grocery store <laughs> aisle who, yep. who, who gives that knowing nod to another mom you know, yeah. who's going through the same thing? Because sometimes a yeah. look makes a difference, and sometimes a handshake makes a difference, or a high five when I'm walking across Absolutely. campus. Or,
0: Just knowing that somebody else is there.
1: Yeah. You know, look, I, I mean, I'm a pretty strict teacher when it comes to what I expect in my classroom. Sure. I jokingly tell my students all the time that I'm there to crush dreams and ruin scholarships, but, <laughs> 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 but, but, but there's always a moment. Cause I have high expectations, which is sure. another con- conversation entirely, but there's always inevitably a moment every semester where there's a student who I know has an amazing potential to do mm. something, to be something amazing. But for whatever reason, they don't quite hit the mark. Like, something happens in life or whatever. And I have a choice to make in that moment to like hold like, to the letter of the law, this document that I gave them at the beginning or to lean towards grace. Wow. To make an exception, give them another shot. And I just want to be the kind of guy that in the moments
0: that'll make the most difference for somebody, I want to lean into grace. Yes. On yes. a tries love. Absol- absolutely, man. I love that so much. I, I always come back to what Christ did for us and what the father did for us because man, let's go Sunday school on you to John three sixteen. Yeah. And what was the motivating factor for God to give his one and only son so that if we believed in him that we could have everlasting life, what was that that motivated him? It was love. Absolutely. For God so loved the world that he gave. Yeah, And, uh, it had nothing to do with our goodness because scripture says, while we were yet sinners, Mm -hmm. in other words, God knew me, knew I was rotten and he loved me anyway. Yeah. And that's so much of the good news um, that I I believe that because of who God is, everything he does towards us is motivated by his love for us. Mm -hmm. And what greater, Extension of the Father's heart than for us to extend love to someone. Now you know it, 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 some people are hard to love. I get that. Uh, I understand that. But um, and, and you know somebody may be listening and say, "Well, you don't know how hard it is. It can't be as hard as sending your one and only son to Earth to be crucified to die by the very people." Uh, who he was sent here to redeem. Yeah. It can't be that bad. It can't be that difficult. <laughs> no, no, there's no, no way. There, maybe God's killing some pride in you, but he's not asking for your firstborn. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I wasn't going to say I'm uh, <laughs> <laughs> tracking. Uh, I'm just checking. You, check. I'm you had this you. look like you were ready to pounce mm, on him. Um, but, That's tempting. Yeah, but, uh, but man, 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 what? This is why it's so important that we don't compartmentalize our life. Yeah, for sure. Because we think about people walking through the church doors and we're excited and ready to see God do something in their life Mm and excited to see them encounter the love of Christ. But what if we took that same passion uh, that we have for people coming into the church Mm -hmm. for the people that we go to outside of the church? Yeah. And that may never darken the door of our church but that we go, they are a part of our sphere of influence. Yeah. Listen, we may not be Billy Graham. We may not be Reinhard Bonnke. We may not preach to millions and millions of people, but we can reach our world. Yeah. Those who are in our world, wherever, whatever we're doing in, in our sphere of influence. Well, it's,
1: I mean, that's why I said, love your neighbor. Like, Absolutely. He, yeah, he challenged the disciples to go reach the world, but he first he told them to love their neighbor, and he even you know on that list of places he told them to go, the right. first one was hey, your neighbor. For me, I think that literally means <laughs> my neighbors. Yeah, so,
0: love your neighbor. Yeah, and so and you may be like is, me that have a, an exceptionally difficult one to love. <laughs> you know. Uh, no difficult ones, but there's some weird ones for sure. And <laughs> oh, Jesus help us! I could do a whole podcast on my neighbor. <laughs> but
1: but the idea that idea of prioritizing love that that God does want a son, not a sheriff. It it means um, it means setting aside all of that rule based religious stuff mm. that tries to make Jesus follow it, and um, and getting out in front of that. With God's love in your life, in your everyday world, yeah. and just man, just trying to be who you are, and not making it weird, not making it you know spooky, like Pastor Rick likes to say, but just just being you out there, and I, I love that I get to do that. I think yeah. it's a, it's a privilege to get to do it. Um, Absolutely, uh, it's definitely it's the joy of our life. So.
0: Absolutely, I also think about because there may be some people with a slightly different, they may be listening to us talk, and maybe they really have a strong sense of election.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, um, I, I, something that I have thought about with people's lack of intentionality to reach others, Right. Uh, I think that... Um, a lack of intentionality in loving outside of yourself, uh, speaking the gospel. I think it is a, a, a deviation from yeah. intended because I think we we if we're not careful, we may um, overemphasize the sovereignty of God to the point of passivity in mm-hmm. our relationship with Him.
1: Yeah, you know what though, I think um, to push back on that just a little bit. Yeah. I think we see the same thing from sort of the other side of that theological Absolutely. bit. Because we, cause if you grew up like I did, which was so similar same to you. Way I grew up. Yeah, yeah, like we were taught to basically give our, our Jesus-friendly elevator pitch to every person. Uh, like you, oh, uh, you, if you're going to get dropped into the middle of a mall, man, you better be able to at least talk to 14 tracks little golf kids that don't know anything about the Lord. Basically be to the Jesus annoying door to,
0: door-to-door salesman.
1: Yeah you, yeah, you needed to be, you know, like you need to be Kurt Cameron and Billy Graham, but you know you can do it in thirty seconds and um <laughs> that
0: is awesome <laughs> You need to be Kurt Cameron
1: yeah that's so, that's a, that's the quote of the day but so so that's you know that's kind of what we were trained to be mm-hmm. um and I think it's uh uh just uh, I mean this with love and with grace. Mm-hmm. I think it's disingenuous.
0: Absolutely,
1: Um, it is. Yeah. uh, uh, I I go back to this one moment I had in college with my friend Brad that we lived together for a while. The guy I was telling you about earlier. Yeah. There was a night where we were out roaming around campus playing guitars and we were just silly people having fun. And we would literally like randomly walk past people and i would be jamming just some little something. And we both just start making up songs, singing to this person as they walked past us. I love that. No idea who they are (laughs) or whatever. And and, uh, we did that all the time, but one night we were doing it and we actually wound up at a party that we didn't ever even mean to be at. We were just wandering around. And all these people start coming outside because there's a guy with a guitar and all this yeah, the stuff. guitar, and, man. Yeah, and you know, we didn't, <laughs> there, there were no tracks. Nobody saying like, how great is our God <laughs> or anything like that. There was no, <laughs> there's no service plan. It's That's just,
0: awesome.
1: uh, we didn't do in that moment what we grew up being taught to do, you know, known as, like, witnessing. It wasn't our, hey, here's our 35-second, like, Jesus-friendly elevator pitch. Yeah. It was a couple of guys banging out some silly stuff on a guitar, mm-hmm. having fun. And, you know, what, what happened as a result of that, so pretty soon there's, like, 150 people. Wow. Standing, just standing around, And nobody gave a sermon. There wasn't an altar call. And there's, you know, people listening right now to that that are cringing because missed an opportunity. And here you're talking about opportunities. But but that wasn't what the moment was about. And um, what happened though, as a result of that, was influence that we Mm. gained with people who saw that there were some Christian guys who didn't show up at a place and start, like tearing their life apart or telling them all the things they shouldn't be doing. We didn't show up like sheriffs on the scene. Uh-huh. We just showed up like a couple of guys. We actually didn't even mean to be there, but we did take the opportunity to create relationships yeah. in year. That was dude. That was 20 years ago. Wow. And, and we still have relationships that were born wow. out of an accidental moment. And I think that so often we witness to God's power know, to to borrow an old school term, Mm -hmm. we witness to God's power and what he's done in our life through the way that we love the people around Mm -hmm. us and we prioritize love. Sometimes prioritizing love doesn't necessarily mean being heavy handed with this moment that we're trying to push them towards in a decision. Correct. It's uh. It's just Correct. allowing the heaviness of the reality of the love God shares with us yes. to be shared with them.
0: Yes. So knowing that you're a strong eight, I knew you would push back on what I said, which was <laughs> great, which is what I hoped happened. happen. Uh, a little host trickery there. Uh, now you have officially been manipulated, Nate. Now, um, Not the last time. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, this is where I wanted to land on this, actually, uh, that... Whatever your theological bent, you can see. We just gave a couple examples from both sides of where they uh, uh, it may be a little too dogmatic in a particular method. Yeah, and the only method that we should really be dogmatic about, I would say, and I would ask you, is uh, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit in the moment. Yeah, and being present, like you said. Yeah, understanding that that we may be in a moment where the Lord is choosing to um, show his love to someone through us. And, yeah. we, and it doesn't matter if we know if they're elect and I, or not. It doesn't matter if we nail a sales pitch mm-hmm. because everybody we meet, we're supposed to give uh, uh, the track to this is your life too. You know, sure. it, it, it doesn't matter either side of those. And so, but and and it's funny, Mm -hmm. uh, we kind of went some ridiculous ways here through our discussion (laughs) on purpose because we get in our heads so much about it that we complicate loving people. Absolutely. And really, this whole discussion boils down to that for God so loved the world that, and He has called us to love those. So, we talked about Jonah a couple of weeks ago. And Jonah's problem, you read in Jonah chapter four, he was really a racist. Yeah. He he didn't want Nineveh to be saved. Yeah, he they was, weren't part he of he the hyper patriotic. Yeah, yeah. You could say that. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. No. <laughs> no, I, 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 I couldn't help it. I had to I had to throw that in there. Um but uh, but, yes, yes, he was he was zealous about the covenant and didn't think that because they were not Jews, they didn't deserve to be a part of the covenant, yeah and and receive that grace that God extended to. And the question I asked my church was, who does God love that you refuse to mm-hmm. And uh, where is God calling you that you refuse to go mm. and 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 I think that that's really what you're talking about and that you and I are discussing today is, is are we paying attention to be uh, intentional uh, with representing God to people in yeah. the moments? Yeah, and that
1: intentionality uh, doesn't always have to show up in the form of uh, you know did you did you show up with a bunch of material to pass out or a sermon to give or overly scripted or whatever? Yeah, and and sometimes you know even talking about like. You, you know, you, you talked about being led by the Holy Spirit to do it. Well, some people uh, that I've met that use that terminology a lot—they call it the Holy Spirit when really they just had bad Taco Bell. Uh, you, <laughs> yes. you, yes, yes, that—it's not. That didn't sit right. <laughs> yeah, you, you—it's—it's <laughs> it's not always that. Like you don't have to wait for God to do something incredible to direct you on, on how to make a difference. I used to- Absolutely. You know, Jamie and I, we were college pastors for years and I, I would have this conversation, like what am I supposed to do with my life? And all the time with, with kids and, and they were always ready for God to, to open a door or show them a sign or whatever. And my answer for them year after year was always the same. Like God's not gonna carve it in the sidewalk for you with lightning. It's, uh, <laughs> you know. Seize the moment. Seize the opportunities. Yes. Take advantage of what you have in front of you right now, mm-hmm. and and do little things. Like I think, I think the entire reason why my wife and I are prof- both professors and pastors are because we have our lives are the culmination of a bunch of little things that we tried to do. There were those little moments and those little opportunities. That's and, right on, bro. And um, and they're all we. Everybody has those moments yes. every day. And we just have to do it. Yes, it might be taking donuts to a class full of kids. It might be like that high five or that handshake or that smile. It might be a hey. I just want you to know, God loves you. He has a plan for your life. I had a there's a guy showed up in our church a few months back and didn't know him at all, Mm -hmm. and um, he needed some help. We took him to a hotel room, got him a hotel room, and wow, nobody ever really loved him quite like that before. You know, according to his story and. When we were getting ready to leave. We said, Man, just want you to know God loves you. He has a plan for your life. And yeah. he's got tears going down his eyes. And he was going one way. And a few months later, he shows up again two days ago, this Sunday morning, at our wow. church, going back the other direction and walks through the doors. And he remembered us and we remembered his name. And I think that just that moment that where we, he saw the look, or I saw the look on his face when I remembered his name. Wow. And called him by name. The last time I saw this guy was
0: a year ago. That had to be the Holy Spirit <laughs> if it was me, because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm terrible. I have the extroverts disease with well, names. It's, just, I, it's not, and I'm
1: not even good with names. It's yeah. it's that I remembered this guy that we had a chance to help. There was a moment that you remembered, and his name. His name represented Man, so it absolutely, yeah. and so I don't even whether he knows mine or our church or what. I don't care. Right. That's not what it's about. It's about did. Did I honor the moment? Did I, was I good steward of the opportunity that God gave to me to try to make a difference in this guy's life? Mm -hmm. I think that's what it boils down to, taking, being intentional with those moments and those opportunities. That's so good, bro. That's so good.